Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know where we're at. We've been your home for Detroit Lions. Fun talk and news on the POD cast for well, for going into season eight. Established 2018, the site, of course, Pride of Detroit, established long before that. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. On the docket today, on the menu today, we're going to look back on the first quarter of NFL football the Lions have played because we always divide up the season into quarters here. It finds good stopping points for us to talk about the team. We're going to talk about Jamison Williams returning. We had a quick instant reaction with myself and Morgan Cannon back on Friday talking about it. We're going to talk more about how he fits into the rest of the team. And we're going to talk about where this team is heading coming up here as the schedule continues to evolve. And the Lions just got flexed into America's game of the week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got business in Carolina first. First, though, let me introduce the rest of the guys. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, fresh back from Bourbon Street and somehow with all limbs and digits attached, it's a miracle beyond comprehension and understanding. Hello, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I I almost ate off my digits uh, with how much food I was eating down there and enjoying, um, you know. Sometimes you you, you mistake a, a a fried piece of uh, oyster for a finger, and uh, luckily I escaped that. Uh, I don't that, think that's that how most people lose cake. their digits in in New Orleans. <clears throat> Maybe not. You you are too old now for Bourbon Street, though. I am. I am. Yeah. Yes. I very much appreciate sleep at eleven thirty more than I did in the past. Joining me, another man who loves sleep, Jeremy. I mean, what am I doing? Ryan Matthews. <laughs> At Ryan underscore POD, there were enough complaints to d- demand the music come back, Ryan. So uh, 
I should have probably asked you. No, it's fine. I'm uh, I'm not shocked by that, but I'm also um, I'm taken back. Um, but I, I do appreciate all of you out there who, uh, you know, hey, here's the thing, right? Let's segue into this, right? If you do enough internet bullying, maybe something good will come of it. What are you? Uh, I I'm going to admit I uh, for the first time as a host, I am actually not sure. Oh, now I get it. It took me a few seconds. I was like going through my head. I'm like, okay, were we starting with something? No, but we're that's coming up later. We'll talk about Jameson Williams in a little bit. <laughs> we do have to get to our quarterly review here. Big financial news. Quarters are done. Here comes the fiscal reviews. Jeremy, it's all coming up lines. The stonks are high. Stonks are going very high. We're uh, we're, we're we own the float. <laughs> What are our biggest takeaways from the first four games of the season? As the Lions sit at three and one, coming off a very impressive win over the Green Bay Packers, stomping them in Lambeau on a primetime game, which people saw, people at every level recognized the Lions were the dominant team in that game. You couple that in with a Falcons victory over a Falcons team that at the time still looked good, although... They're starting to stock trend down pretty hard and overtime loss to the Seattle Seahawks, which I feel like was a defensive mismatch, or at least they came out with the wrong scheme on defense when playing Seattle. And of course, last but not least, that opening game against the, the Kansas City Chiefs, stimming them at home, which always had asterisk marks next to it or whatever the crap about missing players. But the Lions have had more than enough chance since that game to reify and reinforce that it wasn't a mirage. It wasn't because of the Chiefs missing players. They're just that good. Looking through the first four games, DVOA, which is a stat that has survived football outsiders, is out there somewhere else on FTN Fantasy. They agree. The Lions right now, we have to wait for the Monday night rankings, but they are ranked third in DVO by their DVOA metric up from nine. Number five in offense, number five in defense. That is where we stand. Jeremy, I turn it over to you because this is a lot to take in. But what is your biggest takeaway from the first quarter? I mean, you just laid it out. This this Lions team is for real. This, I mean, they're they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Full stop. Um, they they lived up completely to these expectations that that we were months and months we were like are the, are are they about to you know pull the football from us are 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 we about to get hyped for another season that that isn't for real is this just us putting our emotional energy into a team that's going to let us down again the answer definitively is no they're not that team they're not that old team they're this team that that absolutely continued what they were doing last year which is I mean, the DVOA numbers you just threw out there were striking, but here's the thing. They're not that different from where they were last year at the end of the last year. If you just take the DVOAs from week nine and on, they're right there. They're a, they were a top five team, and I was screaming it from the mountaintops like, this team is not just playing really good right now. This team is one of the best in the NFL. And I think the fact that the Lions have just continued that, because that's not guaranteed, right? That's the one thing I kept saying is like, hey. Just because you and, and it's one thing the coaching staff always says, like, doesn't matter how you finished last year. It's a brand new year. You got brand new players. Players are going to regress. Players are going to get better. You never know which one is going to be which. So you need to make sure your foot is on that pedal. So I think maybe another takeaway here is like credit to the coaching staff. 
They did not let this team rest on their laurels. They didn't. They kept pumping this message that you haven't accomplished anything yet. You may have had a great start finish to last season, but you didn't make the playoffs. You haven't won the division. None of these things have happened. You have to go out and prove it week by week by week. And that motivation tactic has clearly worked because the Lions have had one of the harder schedules in the NFL through four games. And they have they're the, the, the third best record in the NFL because there are only two undefeated teams left. This team's for real, period. Yeah, they're for real. And it, it's just kind of strange to sit here and take stock as we look at this quarterly report. Um, which, you know, Dan Campbell's right. You know, we, we can't fit this into a nice little symmetrical, uh, you know, four, 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 four anymore, but, um, hopefully we'll get back to that. But, um, looking at these four games sitting here at three and one, it feels like these were kind of the expectations to begin the season, right? Like we, we really felt that the order of the games was different though, right? Like we felt yeah. like, ah, Kansas city would be tough, but we could really see the lions doing some damage at home to open up the season. And then green Bay is going to be a test, right? It felt like regardless of how the, the first four games shook out in terms of where the wins were and where the loss was, it felt like the punctuation mark at the end of Thursday, that exclamation point at Lambeau served as everybody's on notice now, right? Like everybody's on notice. The Kansas City Chiefs game, you know, I we, we don't need to talk about, as Chris alluded to, the asterisks or anything. But it was excuses. It was excuses. It was excuses not to buy into the Lions yet. It was excuses. It was nitpicks against the Lions that like, hey, you didn't play against their best players. Yeah, like they had a bunch of drops. Those were like I, I'm trying not to use the word, but you like there were people who legitimately thought that it's like, OK, the Lions look good, but but there was no but against Green Bay. Yeah, there was no but against Green Bay. And even though there was a cause for pause, maybe in the third quarter, it didn't matter. Like by the fourth quarter, it was like, oh, no. Yep. That was just kind of like some pen- penalty field drives that helped the Packers get down the field. The rest of the game was complete and utter domination, and it was domination in a way that I think kind of takes us. Um, we won't go too far ahead, but like it takes us to talking about like not where the Lions are standing in the NFC North, but where do they fit in the the overall scheme of things in the entire conference? Because you you, you look at you look at the top of the NFC, and there's some boogeymen up there, but there's I don't know if they've been challenged quite the way that the Lions have been challenged through four games. Yeah, I think the only thing that I can really say is maybe the Eagles got pushed around a little bit by a commander's team, but I also think a commander's team is probably better. But that said, that commander's team should have won it, but Ron Rivera was too much of a coward to go for two points and dug his own grave with overtime. That said, I think I think that's maybe where we go next, Jeremy. Looking around the NFL or even just around the NFC, how do they stack up? Because... Right now, the only team I'm putting in front of them, at least for the NFC, is the 49ers. And like I, I, I think the Eagles are still better than them. I think if they got matched up against the Eagles, they would lose. But I don't think it would be a one sided affair at the end of the day. There's certain things the Eagles do that I don't think the Lions can replicate. But both those but both the Eagles and the Lions and the 49ers is like looking into the mirror on how the Lions are built. I, I don't I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to talk about all of this sort of stuff in, in segment three about where they fit into the picture and, and like where we okay. can, where, where we think this team can go this year. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people went into the season 
thinking like, okay, this team can win the division, maybe win a playoff game. And like the hopes kind of ended there. We'll talk in segment three about if you can, if you can dream bigger. Sure. Um, well then let me, let me ask you then. Yeah. I think when we looked at this team early on, we thought we wanted to see them continue their offensive identity, but we, mm-hmm. we were happy with just mm-hmm. about league average defense. If they could at least right. get back up to it. And yet through the first four games, Ryan, outside of maybe the Seattle game, I would say that their defense has been a very big part of their identity as much as their run game on as their run game on offense has has been like, well, well, let me let me clarify. They do have a balanced. Offense, but I feel like they would like to run the ball if it means burning off a a crap load of time with the lead. But part of their strength right now is that pass rush. It is a disruptive upfront attack on the enemy's passing game. Yeah, I, I think what's important with the defense is I think with the way that last season ended, there was, again, back to Jeremy's point about yeah, buts. Like, I think there was a yeah, but about the run defense, right? Like, okay, like you made some improvements over the back half of the season. That was cute. How do you continue it? And I mean, maybe maybe the best run defense in football, like I don't want to jump to like conclusions. I don't want to say I don't want to plant flags or anything. But like when you look at the teams that they've played, Seattle, I mean, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, I mean, they, they might be a team that you look at the end of the season and they're a team that just keeps on getting better and better and better at that stuff. And, and you'll look back at these four games, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, them and oh, plus Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier and the Falcons rushing attack. Oh, yeah. OK. And then maybe even once Green Bay gets a little bit healthy, that's what they're going to try to. I, I feel like that's going to be their bread and butter. I know I know that, you know, we talked with Dusty, Jeremy, about all the hope in, in the passer and the Packers passing game. Um, but I, I think that you just look at and look at look at Sunday Night Football. Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I talk about a, a you know coming home game, like having that guy back in New Jersey and and just absolutely running over the Jets. And I mean, the Lions have they've they've shut down all of those rushing attacks that yeah. you'll look at the end of the season. I would venture to guess that probably three of those four teams are going to be mm, what top twelve rushing yeah. attacks. Very very likely. So it's and- for real. And and, yes. and and it all starts there, Jeremy. And now and now you have that marriage, right? Like we're starting to see to Chris's point where that pass rush might might be might be for real. Well, yeah, here's here's where I'll I'll agree with you, but also preach a little patience or caution. Um, not so much with the run defense. I'm with you. Like the Lions have just dominated four oh, yeah. decent, no decent to great run running rushing attacks. And like now that DVOA is going to include opponent adjustments, like those four games are going to stand out as fantastic, like you said, for the eternity of the season. If And if they continue, assuming they continue that for the rest of the season, the Lions are going to keep offenses one dimensional. And that's a huge advantage to your defense, obviously. The one thing I will say, though, as it pertains to the past defenses, I'm still kind of in a weary spot here. I think there's, there's been some secondary lapses that are expected with a new group of guys. Um Pass rush has been inconsistent. And I think you you also have to look at the opponents here, right? You face two pretty darn good quarterbacks in the first two weeks of the game, and maybe that's where you experience the most problems, both with your pass rush and your coverage. The next two weeks, you take on very inexperienced quarterbacks who don't, you know, I, I don't want to take too much away from Jordan Love because he's obviously played pretty well in the other games he's played in. But 
I think I think we're finally finding out a little bit more about Desmond Ritter as we go on. And so the fact that they turned it on against two young quarterbacks, they turned like they probably got a little bit more aggressive. I know they didn't have to blitz the the Packers as much, but you're trying to confuse young quarterbacks and that worked. There's not much left in the NFL besides young quarterbacks. Like you look at who's left on the schedule, like the best quarterbacks you've got left are Lamar Jackson and, and, and Justin Herbert, who is young himself, but still fantastic. And like, I don't know if anyone's really feared of Dak Prescott. Well, the Vikings have more problems besides Kirk. They do. That's, but I, I just, I, I think Mr. I want to win. Crapping on the Vikings all off season. Now you want Listen, me to be afraid of what the Vikings. I've, I never crapped on Kirk. Kirk is, has always been kind of underrated in my book, but well, my, those my, games my, are at the end of the season. True. Kirk, he might Kirk not might, even be playing. Kirk might be on the jets by then. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but I, I think my overall point being is like, I want to wait and see a little bit more, both on the pass rush and on the coverage pieces. Because, I agree because it's just been such a huge dichotomy of, of quarterbacks. And that's not going to change this week with, with Bryce young either. So um, yeah. we'll, we'll kind of wait and see, but I'm, I'm stoked about the defense overall and I'm stoked about the run defense. And I, sure. I think part of that again, is that X factor that is Brian branch just being everywhere. Like, I don't know if he has a position at this point. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how his, you know, got to keep an eye on the ankle with everything. And I guess that brings me to, do you have another identity? Do we need to talk about the offense? Is that, still their identity at the end or is it i well i I think their their offense again like it's just so multifaceted that the fact that the lions have had all these injuries on the offensive line and and that's kind of another one of my main takeaways is like this team also like we need to like step back and remember this team was went through a ton of injuries early in the season and rose above it all they're they're damn near four and oh despite the fact that they you know, we we had our, our starting offensive line start one total game. The fact that both of our starting safeties have been out the past two weeks, um, you know, the well, getting Emmanuel Mosley got kicked back an extra couple of weeks. You lose three of your edge. De- we, we talked all offseason about how deep this edge defender group is, and three of them go on IR by week two. I would also say, too, like and I know we should probably get to player player superlatives at some point, but. Probably the most diff the difference in that Seattle game too comes down a lot of it to they didn't have David Montgomery, and that's been a massive Changes piece. Things. That's yes. been a that's been a massive piece for the Lions because when David Montgomery starts running over people, it gives a part to the Lions' offensive identity as far as just sitting on the ball. That and they, they still put up thirty one points in that game. In in yes yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you're, you're right, though, like Montgomery, like such that, an essential piece. But I think that kind of leads into the biggest concern is that this run game still needs to continue to produce. And it's probably the one thing on their offense that, like, I want to see them continue to do well with. I think also that, you know, the concern is, can they develop a, a deep passing game? And part of that is getting Jamison Williams back and seeing if Jared Goff can connect with him. Uh, what I don't know, Ryan, if you have another big concern for the Lions right now. I think it's a well-balanced team, though, and it's hard for me to figure out holes to really nitpick besides the pass rush needs to be, as Jeremy said, needs to be more consistent. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I'm right there with uh, with you guys and Jeremy in terms of having questions about the back end of the defense, right? Like just because there's been that turnover and and, mm-hmm. and, and losing CJGJ was you know, it felt like a huge blow. You know what I mean? It it felt like, okay, this is probably going to be like another step back. But again, like maybe not tested so much against a couple of young quarterbacks, but like I still want to give them credit where credit's due in terms of the pass rush because 
I mean, we we were all counting how many sacks Geno Smith was going to have in week two, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Seattle was out both their starting tackles. Evan Brown went down in that game and it took all the way until the end of the game when Geno Smith shot himself in the foot, you know, 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage for there to be a sack in that game. And it, I mean, you have everybody, you know, approaching Rotunda Drive with pitchforks and, and and their torches for Aaron Glenn. Right. And then then following two weeks, what do they do? They answer the bell in the biggest way. And, and the pass rush has been really good. So I. I think there is something to that of it's not just opponent, it's something happened, right? And and yeah. and, and I think I think there's something to that. Um, but the, the one thing I do want to say about the rushing attack is I want to know how sustainable it is, right? I want to know how sustainable it is because I I get their vision. Okay. I watch the Packers game. I get the vision. I see the vision. And it's something that I think probably runs contrary to like every analytic and every nerd. Um, Dave Montgomery is going to wear you down. Like it's volume, right? It's volume. It doesn't matter that it's 3.9 or it's four yards a carry. That's still good enough for for a first down. (laughs) And, and, And even when it's not good enough for a first down, Chris, those Packers players, you could tell that they were, I mean, they were just done by that fourth quarter. Detroit yep. knew that they had a the line of scrimmage and B they had a battering ram who was lined up in their backfield. And he was ready to he was ready to ice the game by just continuing a physical assault on their defense. And and that is something where I have a question mark because I saw what the running game looked like when David Montgomery wasn't playing. And we all saw what that looked like. And it doesn't have the same tenor. It doesn't yeah. have the same tone to it. I just want to know, can you keep doing that to David Montgomery? Yeah, that's it, it's a fair question because he is a guy that he doesn't miss a ton of games, but he gets a lot of nicks and bruises. That's what, we, you know, when we were yeah. doing kind of our free agency recaps with some of the Bears writers, that's what they were saying is like, you look and. and yeah, and, I think I this is said a, Seattle earlier. I meant the Falcons like this. Birds, but birds. yeah, but, but yeah. this is this is a perfect example, though, like he gets this knee bruise. Everyone thinks, you know, he's going to be out two, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is. He comes back after one game. He's going to fight through a lot. He's going to take a lot of damage too. what he carry it 30 sometimes 32 carries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, I, I do think there's eventually going to be a pullback there. I do think they're eventually going to get Jameer Gibbs more involved. I think it's, it's a little bit of a trust issue. It's a little bit of let's ride the hot hand. David Montgomery is doing everything we want him to do. He's converting on third and shorts. He's converting in the red zone. He's converting on fourth down. Yeah. Um. So give him the, the rock, but yeah, like he is everything that they want out of that back right now. And you don't want to overrun him in, in September and October. I think that's a, a fair thing to just kind of keep sure. an eye out. On. I think, I think it would help them if they had a second battering Ram that they could like trust behind them. And unfortunately I don't think Craig Reynolds is on of a night is that, or if they are, they're just not that yet, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess just to wrap this up, we don't have too much time here before we got to move on, but um, just real quick, rapid fire. Uh, just give me names. Most important player. Jared Goff, man. He's been outstanding. Right. Brian Branch might be the defensive rookie of the year. Aiden Hutchinson for me. Um, best injury fill in. Ooh, Graham Glasgow, hands down. Like, I mean, really, really took a big step forward in, in that last game. You're probably right, but I, I think Tracy Walker deserves a, a fair shout out because he's been pretty, pretty noticeably good I'm, and and he's going to need to continue to be good. 
I'm torn between both your answers there. I think I I think I'll lean Tracy Walker. That man needs an interception. He's been so close. <laughs> um, most improved. Oh man, Derek uh, Barnes. Man, that's a great answer. Derek, Derek yeah. Barnes is a layup. Yeah, I think, I think that's my answer too. Is Derek Barnes? Um, but I'm gonna give an honorable shout out to Afatu Melfanu. Like, I mean, where sure. were we with with Afatu Melfanu in training camp? I mean, there there were some 53 rosters that wondered whether or not he would make the cut and it was because of injuries. And I mean, there were valid concerns, but if he, these past two games stepping in good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Needs to step it up. Who hasn't given us what you, the all the full, the full measure that you want yet. All right. I want to preface this with saying <laughs> I don't play not, fantasy football. This isn't a fantasy thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. But, but Jameer Gibbs needs to step up a little bit. And I, and it, it might not even entirely be his fault. Like he's not necessarily getting the opportunity. So it's that's not on him. But I think they're like, there's at least a little bit of a reason the Lions aren't trusting him to do some of that stuff. And it's because they don't think he's ready. And so I, at this point, I, I was thinking he'd be more involved in the receiving game and he's not. Doesn't mean he's a bust. Doesn't mean I think he's horrible. Doesn't mean I think the Lions are mismanaging him. I just, I, I need to see it. I'd like to see it. They, they invested the 12th overall pick in it. I think it's fair to at least want a little bit more than they're getting out of. Chris, you go, or is your answer Gibbs? As I'm, well? I'm, I'm, I'm teetering and I don't, I don't really have an answer to be honest. Oh. Okay. Um, my answer, and it perfectly segues in the next segment, it's Jameson Williams. And I know he hasn't had a chance to be on the field, but I talked about this all off season long. I said, if Jameson Williams can come in here and he could be a 17 to 18 yard per reception kind of guy this offense is going to completely transform because we see what it's like in its state right now, right? It seems like there's another level to unlock and the 12th overall pick from the 2022 draft is, is coming back. So it could happen right there. I I, good. I was just going to say really quick, like explosive plays is what the Lions offense, I think, has been missing mostly. Like Josh Reynolds has been good at that, but I think in general, I'd like to see more and both Gibbs and JMO are, are potential, you know, I, I think I, I think I have one more answer and I hate to distract from the segue you're setting me up, but uh, Taylor Decker probably could find a second gear at some point here. I'm you not, you gotta be healthy though, man. It's, I know. I don't I think know he's got to be healthy. That, was... <laughs> Dude, that man had some cojones out there on Thursday night. Like he, did. he probably, probably shouldn't have been playing through that kind of ankle sprain and he, and he aggravated it right during the game. So like, yeah. I worry about some of the guys going back out there with some of the injuries. Like I know a lot of Lions fans were like, why are you throwing Brian Branch out there? And we had a conversation about that on one of the podcasts. And maybe we'll hit on it at a break here. But this this could be a good week to to rest some of those guys. No, no offense to Carolina, but this might be this might oh you know, with Brian Branch out there, maybe you don't want Decker out. But Brian Branch, I think you might be able to to rest for a week. You know what helps with rest, Ryan, and recovery? Uh dried meat. Yes. What is the best kind of dried meat? Uh, righteous felon craft jerky. And meat sticks. <laughs> and meat sticks, Ryan. We have to sell the meat sticks, too. We have to sell the adult Slim Jims. Because Righteous Felon is the sponsor of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. But it's not just our sponsor. It's also the meat snacks that feed, that the Lions, the Detroit Lions themselves feast on at Allen Park at the training facilities. You can be eating the same kind of jerky, meat sticks and biltongs. Detroit Lions at three and one are eating. We have an offer for you, but we got to tell you more about it. 
We've got protein numbers. We give out stats on this podcast. We love our numbers, Ryan. 16 to 20 grams of protein. Yeah. In meat sticks, eight grams of protein. What does that all mean, Ryan? Help me put that. I, I have a smooth brain. Tell me how much how much protein, what, what that means for your protein intake. Uh, ask Jeremy. He's got the muscles. He has the Reisman recording room. How do you think he got those? <laughs> Rise, By eating Jer- righteous Jeremy's fellow, also, righteous Jeremy's also been on the IR hold a few on. times. Hold too. on, hold on, hold on. Wait a second. I got, I might be too old for Bourbon Street. But I'm not too old for Bourbon Franklin Righteous. Oh, how long have jerky. you had that ready to go? <laughs> well, that's a good reminder that Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beets and pride themselves on superior quality and unique flavors that like Bourbon Franklin that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. That Truffalo Bill and many more could all be yours. And we're helping you out with a promo code POD15. Go to RighteousFelon.com, put together your bundle, put together your order, order as much as you like, put in POD15 at checkout, and you get 15% off your order. And it helps us out too here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We will be right back. We got to talk about Jamison Williams on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Prior to Detroit PODcast. So we had a little bit of an instant reaction for our next topic up on the feeds. If you can check it out, uh, subscribe to Pride of Detroit. Myself and Morgan Cannon broke down Jamison Williams' return uh, early as the NFL revised their gambling policies and suspensions 
back on Sunday. The long, the low and short of it is, is that they increased penalties for certain aspects of gambling on NFL games in the sense that if you bet on your own team, it's now a two year suspension. At the same time, they reversed course on some of the non NFL gambling while at team facility suspensions in that they tiered it. So the first suspense would be two games rather than six. The second uh, suspension would be six games and then a full year after following. So in light of that and for time served, the two NFL players who were suspended under that old policy, offensive tackle for the Titans, Nicholas Petit Frere and Lions wide receiver Jamison Williams had their suspensions cut and they could return to practices or return to the team activities Monday, effective Monday, allowed to return. So it has been a boon to the Detroit Lions to have Jamison Williams back. Uh, again, my thoughts are up on that podcast. I think the NFL did something smart in the sense of the of some of these gambling suspensions. I still believe that gambling on non-NFL games should be a fine rather than a game suspension. This seems like a procedural thing, but I, I get I. I think they understood they didn't get as many guys on that particular suspension as they thought they all had already sent the message and it seemed to have had the effect. So go ahead. I I'd never thought they would reverse JMO suspension, but they did. So I I'm curious what you think, Jeremy of the rules before we get into what JMO means for the lions a little bit deeper. Well, yeah, I mean, first I, th- I think I have to underline that last point because I think we, we maybe were even a little bit condescending at times saying like the NFL is not going to lower Jameson Williams suspension. That's, no, we kind of, that's, tis- a, that's a lion JMO a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, that was, that was a lion's fan pipe dream and we were wrong. I was wrong. Totally wrong. And, and to, to defend myself at least a little bit, this feels almost unprecedented from the league to, yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. To take, to shorten a suspension without, this isn't like a, you know, someone, um, what do you call it when, when you contest a suspension um, appeal? This isn't an appeal thing. This is this is the NFL coming to their own terms and 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 deciding and we pardoning, up. pardoning JMO and Petit Frere. Yeah, right. Um, and that that doesn't happen very often. Um, so I th- I think this is awesome. Like I think it's great that the NFL did this. I think I think they made all of the right adjustments to to the suspensions, and now all of this is in the open. All of this is very clear. I think I think this is going to work overall for for the NFL which like I can I can't even believe the words that are coming out of my mouth that I that I feel like the the NFL hit this out of the park and with every step of the way like obviously they should have done more preventative measures before the shit hit the fan but overall this is the right response to to everything and and you wish maybe they had gotten together and 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 come up with this conclusion a couple weeks earlier so Jamie would already be hitting the ground running with a two week suspension but you know, beggars can't be choosers when when the NFL does something fairly unprecedented and that impacts the lines in a positive way. I have to sit and, and be like, hey, that's nice. That is nice, right? <clears throat> I yeah. thought what was like too nice and the reason why I completely reacted on Friday to the news. So it, but like, I think it's interesting to also think about the timeline, right? Because the first news that came out was, oh, look, the NFL has 
uh, taking a look at its gambling policy and the penalties for it. And we've made these changes. And like, I remember copying that and putting it in a Slack and being like these mother and like, just being <laughs> they, so the first upset. one out was the increase to two right. years for gambling up for doing a Pete Rose for gambling but, but it, on your own team. But it was also the first offense went yeah. for, went to two games instead of yeah. being what JMO has right now, which was the second offense, yeah. right? Right. Yes. So the initial yes. reaction is we got screwed again. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. You know, this is the way that they kind of like throw the the sand on the fire after you know the the ass kicking that Lions served up last night, right? Right. But then, like, I don't know, a minute, a minute and a half later. Like Tom Pelissero just comes through and totally redeems himself, right? And he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, like J Mo's back. <laughs> like the, the players, the players who were currently suspended under that rule have like they've had their you know. Now we get conspiracy device. theories from opposing fans saying, Are they NFL trying to help out the Lions by letting so my, them have their receiver dude, back? My immediate reaction is just like it's the Andre the Giant gif where he's like, Whoa, no. Oh, no, 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 like, hold on. Like, there's too many good things happening right now. Like, where, again, it's that Lions fan in me that's like, okay, the other shoe's got to drop. Like, this feels like I'm riding complete Nirvana from the night before. I don't know if I actually slept, but then, like, JMO's back, like, two weeks early. Like, oh, my goodness, this is this is big stuff. And Jeremy, Chris, like, what do we read into about the comments from Dan Campbell, though, because like, obviously, here's the one thing I'm not looking forward to about JMO coming back is fantasy football people talking about his usage. But like <laughs> uh, I, just JMO discourse in general is not yeah. has not been pleasant through. Oh, no, no, a, a no, year and well, four games. Yeah. But I mean, what do we what do we make of this kind of measured? Uh, I won't say like trepidation, but like I'll say like this measured kind of like, hey. We as a team know what we want from JMO, according to Dan Campbell versus like maybe the expectations that people will have for JMO in terms of box score stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. And like, look, I'm a fantasy guy and I already picked my fight with some of them over the Jameer Gibbs stuff this week. Um, Nobody's telling you to draft certain Lions players and you always assume a risk in a fantasy draft. And nobody's telling you to play fantasy football either. So I'm telling you not. I enjoy I enjoy playing fantasy football. It keeps me up with other players. I think it adds something to the full experience. However, these people who have made it their entire personalities, I've got no help for you. Um, you're just kind of like the the guys who are pushing a lot of gambling parlays. You're bad. You're wrong. But I do think much like with Jameer Gibbs usage, there is always it's always hard when there's a kernel of truth to it. And the last we saw of Jamison Williams, he was not being used a lot. They were you know, I think a lot of that, though, Jeremy, was they were easing him in. He was coming back from an ACL. I think uh, we had talked about it, Jeremy, that reports from Dan Campbell was like that he's 100 percent as far as the injury. He's good to go in that regards. He should be 100 percent. But this is a team that always does spread the ball around a lot. And Jamison Williams, they don't really have position players that are your traditional wide receiver one and running back one. Not a lot of teams do, but especially with the Lions who spread the ball around and give the ball to multiple running backs. I think, yeah, there there is probably a tempering of expectations on how many targets he's going to get because a lot of it depends on having plays develop for Jamison Williams. I'm going to wet blanket a little bit of the segment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To, to Lions listeners that wanted would. this to be a Jamison Williams celebration segment. Um, we need, we need, like, I feel like time away 
has kind of forgotten where we left the Jameson Williams situation. He was not if if he had not gotten injured and the regular season had started after one preseason game, he would not be starting in week one. He was not good enough. He was repping with the second team mostly, and he wasn't dominating. Remember, like mm. every day of training camp, you're like, where's Jama? Where's Jama? Why? Like it wasn't happening. And that's where he's picking up right now. He's practicing for the first time tomorrow, Tuesday. He's got so he's got a ways to go. He's not going to come in. I would not be completely shocked if he's inactive in week one. I, you know, week, week I, one. And hold on, let me let me let me finish really quick because there's also like there's also uh, a, a, an exemption to his roster spot right now. He's he is officially off the suspended list, but he is not officially on the fifty three man roster. So if the Lions want to play him against Carolina, they have to activate him. If not, they can keep him inactive for another week he won't count against the 53 he's not wasting a roster spot they can say hey you're just not ready this week let's take another week and then we'll ease you in i would not be shocked if that's what the lines do because i don't think he was ready i really don't and now he's only going to get three practices after what a two months gone i i, I agree with all of that except for this in that i i think and i think some lions fans would point this out is that there is a spot where Marvin Jones is not performing well sure. at all that Jamison Williams can fill. Now, granted, I think you've got some other options to fill that. And like, I don't know what the Lions plans are long term for someone like Antoine Green that is deep on the roster. You've got a lot of pieces already solidified for the wide receiver core between Reynolds, St. Brown and Raymond. But I do think that Marvin Jones spot right now is up for Jamison Williams to grab. But I, I guess I guess my point is that Jones has done has where what Jones has done or not done so far in this season leaves Jamison Williams with a lower floor that he can be eased back in in that regard. But here's where I would counter really quick. Sorry, Ryan. Look at the words that that Dan Campbell is saying. Look at what he wants out of Jamison Williams. Well, do we it's have to read ex- the whole? Do we, we should no, 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 read the no. Whole I'll 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 paraphrase and read the the okay. important part. It, it's not. He doesn't want big plays. He doesn't want a lot of ton of yards. He doesn't want touchdowns. It's all about as in words dependability. He wants he wants very like a very low bar to set here. Get lined up. Know where you're supposed to be. Get to the depth of your routes. And be reliable, be someone you can count on. Now, Marvin Jones, not putting up stats, not getting touchdowns. But do you think he's running the right routes? I believe so. He yes. probably is. Do you think he's, you know, doing the right designation when it comes to run blocking, things like that? I bet he is. And here's the thing that might not show up on a score sheet or a stat sheet or, or your PFF grade. But everything works together in in an offensive scheme. Everything works together in a place. So if Marvin Jones is in the right spot, that's going to draw coverage away from someone, right? That's going to open up an area of the field. And if if they don't trust Jamison Williams to do those things, to have those details in his game, and I'll be clear, I didn't see them during training camp this year. They're not going to put him in over Marvin Jones right away. Yeah, there, there's two things. And, and to the point you made, Jeremy, about like, JMO potentially not being ready for for week five here against Carolina. I think I think there's an element to it of the Lions and JMO were probably under the impression we have this ramp up period. You know what I mean? Like you are going to be suspended for six games. Here is our plan. Now that plan is out the window, right? Like now it's hey, it's it's Monday. You're back on. You know, you're sure. back with the organization. 
how is it possible to, you know, speed track that, right? Like, and I don't think the Lions are an organization where they want to do that, okay? But it also comes back to the other point you're making where it's very true that through training camp, there were a lot of question marks about JMO. And I think that's why it's so important to not read too much into what Dan Campbell isn't saying versus what he is saying, like take it at face value. He's saying he wants a guy who is reliable to Jeremy's point. Like, you know, Dan Campbell saying running the right routes and to the right depth and everything. Those were the things that we were, you know, the drops were the big concern, right? Th- those were the headlines, right? Right. Yeah. But it, it was, it was in the details, right? During training camp, it was the route running. It was being in the right spot and being on time and having rhythm established with Jared Goff. Those were the things that were a big question mark. No, I don't I know. Never the, saw that rhythm with Jared Goff, right? And I know that there's there's this effort to want to speed track him, and oh, he'll just run nine routes, and he can just you know stretch the field and X, Y, and Z. That that's not how it works. If it was that easy, Kadarius Tony would be great. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, it's it just that's not how it's going to work here, and and people should be ready for that. And, and so the offense I, I is guess humming without him, and so to put someone that that might detract, even if it is for a dozen plays, to it has the opportunity to hurt what they're doing. So let me, let me ask though, let me ask though, because like, if that's, if that's still happening in year two, how much longer do you give? Cause it makes it sound like you're, you're wondering about not just Jamison Williams on coming back, but those don't sound like problems to get fixed in a couple of weeks. Oh, so to like me, how- this, th- this is his rookie season to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know he got the, the few games at the end of last year, but like it, it to me, it, it feels like this is his rookie season to me. I just, like that, that that's fine, but it's not his rookie season. Like I, I understand that. Yeah, but he was coming back from an ACL but injury. Like, con- like I don't contract, think it's... W- contract wise, money wise, every, like team building wise, it's not his rookie season. We can say like, okay, but they're not just going to give up on him when he has a four year contract. I, I know, I know that, but I'm just wondering like, how long do you think it really will take to get him into a role? Then, if we have this many concerns, when what's the what's the cutoff date where you need to either make that hard decision? I, I know the uh, the the answer by paper is by the end of his contract, but at some point he's got to have a role in this offense or else he's just not going to be used. I, I think the answer is give enough time on task, right? He hasn't even had how, how many weeks of practice has this man had six last year, maybe seven or eight. I, I can't remember when he returned to practice versus when he returned to the field and three in training camp. That I mean, that that's not a lot. That's, no. it's, it's just not a lot. And so I, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to scare people into think that Jamison Williams is a bust. I'm trying to remind you guys that he still has a long way to go. He hasn't had a long runway to practice. And Dan Kimball basically came out and said, like, we're not going he's not going to walk into Carolina as a starter. We're not going to give him 60 snaps right away. And and that and it, it, the wording he said was like, if he plays, we're not going to give him 60 snaps. So I'm just trying to warn you guys. And and all you have to do is look at how this team is operated with every single player coming off an injury list, coming off of whatever. They ramp those guys up. Emmanuel Mosley is a guy who's going to play in Carolina. He's not going to get 60 snaps. They're going to ease him into it, despite the fact that he might be a better corner than Jerry Jacobs. This is how the team operates, and JMO has to prove himself. He's just not like an exception. He's not yeah. an exception just because he was a 12th overall pick. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. Another example of these guys. If, if Jack you're not, Campbell. Jack Campbell. If you're not quite where you want to be, where they want you to be, they're going to ease you in. And and that's especially true if you've had a bunch of time off. 
I agree. At some point, though, it does like the best snaps are NFL snaps. Well, yes. And 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 listen, if, if we're still having this conversation in December and January and it's like Jamison Williams still doesn't look like he's on the same page as Jared Goff, all the things you just said, Chris, is true. Like then, then yeah, I, start, I'm not saying I'm not saying I agree with everything I just said. I'm just saying I'm I'm imagining what the response is to what you and Ryan are saying, too, because ultimately at some point. It, it, it is bleep or get off the pot like you draft this guy. You've talked for an incredibly long time about what this guy is going to bring to an offense. It, it, great. Are you going to use him or is he just the B word? OK, like, but what is, is it? I mean, what's the difference between having JMO's name in that conversation or saying everything you just said and talking about Jameer Gibbs? Because it is actually Jameer Gibbs first year in the league. Okay, but Jameson Williams was coming back from an ACL. What are we doing here? Sure, what are we I know, doing? but he still played games last year, too, and he's had time with... By the way, I just proved my point at the very beginning of the segment that even though Jameson Williams comes back, that means Jameson Williams' discourse is coming back, and that's what it looks like. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> it's contentious and dumb and just wait <laughs> to play itself out. Gibbs is also getting snaps, too, so... Just and not as many as fantasy people. And I'm saying like the, he'll see his incre- his role increase, which is exactly the same mm-hmm. trajectory that I, I view JMO on it. It might not be a week one playing at all, or I keep calling it week one, week five, but like hopefully by the bye week, like then you're starting to get him in a regular rotation, maybe a starter, because listen, like yeah. fingers crossed. Let, let's look at an optimistic point of view here. Let's say. They come out of the bye week. Jamison Williams has earned a starting role. Then you're talking about Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. How nice does that look? Yeah. And it, it that would be around the time where you would expect him eased in, too, because then we were, t- we were originally talking about him coming back for the Ravens game. Right. And maybe he doesn't play that Ravens game because that is a tough team. You want all hands on deck. But, you know, shoot out in San, in San Diego, shoot out in Los Angeles. Chargers, Lions, right oh, out I was of the... thinking, I was thinking coming back for the Raiders because the Raiders are poo. Sure. Oh, Monday night. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, that said, like, there are some games early on where, like, yeah, maybe you don't need him for the Panthers. Buccaneers would be nice to ease him in there, just given, like, that is a team where you would like to see if you at least have some vertical threat. All right. We did it. We talked about Jamo. <laughs> you guys actually not wanting to do the segment. No, I, it, I think I think we tackled it. It's it's been a while since I've been in this place. You know <laughs> what I mean? So in the your where with your living with your books with your bookshelf. Uh, no, like talking about Jamison Williams. We <laughs> oh, haven't okay. talked about Jamison Williams in what two it, months? I no, think no, but you were you were in a, you were in a physically different place last we talked too. So I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> that's that's a great what, point. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> talked about Jamison Williams since I was physically in a different place. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. I mean, that that was the one. I think we were all exhausted of Jamo talk at the time. So like the one silver lining of the suspension finally starting was like. Okay, now we can just talk about football. And what do you know? The football is good. And so now that JMO's coming back, hopefully the football stays good. It does feel like it does feel like a problem of having a little bit too much. It's a little bit of a problem of suffering from success right now, because we are talking about Marvin Jones run blocking in the midst of all of this as well. Now, that and that was a part of the segment that I wasn't looking forward to talking about is 
to, to all the nice things that Jeremy did have to say about how reliable it was for Marvin Jones to like show up on game day and do the things that are expected of him. It's like, I don't think that he can do the things that are expected of him to a high enough degree to make a difference on game day. You know what I mean? Like he's competent. He's a veteran. You can trust him, but like, it's very clear after week one, which I don't know why this team was ever thinking of throwing screens to Marvin Jones in any, (laughs) in maybe any capacity at all during this year, but like why they did it then, I don't know. Um, But it it definitely does seem like Marv is in the twilight of his career. And it like, it happened in a hurry to me. And that just is like a bummer, you know? Yeah, it is. I can only hope that it's just, you know, needs time to ramp up or something. I was kind of hoping rooting for one more season out of Marvin Mm -hmm. Jones jr. Cause he is a very, very good guy. So the same graces you want to extend to JMO, you'll extend to the veteran Marvin. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not extending it to J. Why are you making this personal? (laughs) No, I'm just asking. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I want JMO to do good too. I don't know where this is coming from. Clip it right there. <laughs> what I want JMO to do good too. I just want everybody to know that you do think that. Oh my god. Uh, we're gonna take a break. I'm going to go punch <laughs> Ryan, and then we'll be right back to talk about where this team is headed for the rest of the season. This has been the Pride of Detroit POD Cast. Welcome back to the Pride Detroit POD cast. Here is our third segment where we are going to discuss the next three quarters. How far can it go for the Detroit Lions? How far can this fun bag go? A lot of us picked the Lions to win the division before the year. And I think I don't know how many of us are doubling down on that. I don't think anyone's been moved off that especially when you look around the rest of this division and after the week that was, you kind of wonder if maybe this is all over and like all the lions need to do is just not fumble at all to keep their holds on this division crown here because uh, yes, the Vikings and the bears got wins. No, but I'm not, I'm not sure. The Bears did not get a win. <laughs> That's right. The Bears did not get a win. The I, Bears I hilariously I, did not get a win. I convinced myself for a second that the Bears actually did beat Sean Payton. My apologies. <laughs> yes, the Bears did not get a win. But even the Vikings, who did get the win, who I was thinking of. Come on. The the, the problem with an 0-3 team and an 0-3 team meeting is, yes, you got a win, but the team you just beat is now 0-4 and looks really bad. And by the way, the Vikings only won that by, I think, one score as well. Yeah. So this continues. This continues for the Vikings. I don't know who challenges them at this point. Jeremy, I'm not going to say they're going to run their divisional slate. But I think most Lions fans should probably anticipate five and one, no less than four and two as your final divisional record opponent record. I would hope so. Um, I'm I'm also I'm not going to declare the NFC North over. But the Lions are are more than in the driver's seat. And they are as in the driver's seat as you could realistically be at this point in the season. Like, yes, maybe 
Green Bay could could have one more loss and, and you'd feel a little bit better about that. But they're in such a power position, having picked up a road victory over what I think most of us can probably agree is, is going to be this team's biggest challenge for that title. I do think as and and this is me maybe going a little bit back on my word all offseason. I do think the Vikings have an opportunity to rebound this season. Um, their, their schedule is, is a little bit tough. I mean, they're playing that first place schedule and they, they missed on some layups early in the season, but they're not they're I think they're actually playing better than they did last year, which is crazy to say. And the turnovers can't just continue to happen at the rate they are. So at some point, I think the Vikings are going to turn around and and at least make a push for 500. Here's the thing, though. I don't think the lines are going to be near 500. I don't I don't I I'm talking. Listen, I picked this team to go 12 and five in the offseason. I had them at two and two at this point in the season. I'm certainly not going to move off of 12 and five. And if I do, it's not going to be to 11 and six. If you get what I'm saying here. Seasons evolve, Ryan. Seasons change. The Lions just got bumped up to America's game of the week on Fox against the Buccaneers. So that's going to be like a 430 p.m. Eastern kickoff time now from Raymond James Stadium. Probably because the Buccaneers have started three and one as well. Although I'm we'll we'll talk about that. But like I I look down the schedule into Jeremy's point. At this point in the season, injuries change everything. And a lot of what we're saying can be completely invalidated or changed because of injuries to any particular team or any kind of someone hitting a hot stride. But I'm not sure who is left on the Lions schedule besides maybe the Cowboys where I'm like, this is going to be an overly tough opponent. I had this discussion with somebody the other day, and I said, that, that's the game. I said, that's the game. Like, the Cowboys game is suddenly, like, to me, like, if I'm looking months ahead, right? Which I'm I think not, we're not saying pe- the Lions are going to run the table on this, but, like, no, they, but- they will drop a game here and there because that's football at the end of the day, but there's no one on the schedule, like, who I feel like outclass the Lions by a by a margin enough for me to be like I heavily favor the other team. Right. But I, I guess the point that I'm trying to underscore is that you look at the Lions schedule and sure there might not be those opponents necessarily outside of maybe the Ravens and um I don't know, are the Chargers any good? We'll we'll the find Chargers that will out. find a way but, to try to lose that game regardless. But, but, but the point that I'm trying to make is I'm not I you know a well, a month ago, we're looking at the schedule and it's like, OK, man, those those Viking games towards the end of the season, those are going to I mean, those two games might meet. No, you know what game is going to matter the most is that Cowboys game, Jeremy. And why does the Cowboys game matter a little bit more than divisional games? Well, I'd say, you know, we'd be battling for seeding, but the Eagles are probably going to win that division. So they're wild. card. Cowboys are a wild card team. That game won't matter. <laughs> Yeah, that's entirely possible that what you for sure. But that's my point, right? Is like I'm talking yeah. about conference seating. Seating. You know seating. what I mean? Like I'm 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 talking about that now with this football team and it's it's kind of wild to be at this stage, but you know, I I don't know. I, but, like I I think like and and to to like remove ourselves from the situation in in case some people think we're absolutely drunk off Kool-Aid to be dialing up the division as as completed and and talking about seating in in week 5. Football, not football outsiders, whatever the, the FTN, the, the FTN, FTN fantasy. fantasy, which relies on DVOA, put out playoff odds today. 
And you know what the Lions playoff odds were at? Pretty Based high. on DVOA, and as we mentioned, they're three in DVOA right now. They're 93.4% to make the playoffs. You know what their chances to win the division is? 83.5. Yeah, 83.5 through four weeks of the season. I, I would ask any unaffiliated t- uh, fan who is not a Lions fan who for some reason is listening to this podcast. If you are, thank you. But like, I would ask you to look at this division. And just tell me with a straight face that you believe anyone but the Lions will win this division after what you've seen so far through four games. Barring massive injuries. I'm I'm hard pressed to envision that person. I'm hard pressed to envision that person. I'm hard pressed to envision any case for these other teams, except for maybe the Packers. And even then, I think we've stacked a couple games now of Jordan Love where I'm like, I don't know. I, gee, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm acting like Tony Romo here, Ryan. Ah, gee, I don't know, Jim. God, no, no more Tony Romo, please. The, I get enough o- of it on red zone. The only, the only case that can be made, and it's a fair one, is that teams change as the season goes on. Teams get no, better. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Certain teams regress. It, it goes down to the point that Dan Campbell made in his press conference today is one day everyone in the media is praising the, the Miami Dolphins as one of the greatest teams of all time. Their offense is amazing. The next week, the Miami Dolphins get plastered by the Bills. Sure. And, and I still think, I mean, to that, I still think the Dolphins are, uh, nobody is right, completely writing off the Dolph- Dolphins oh, of after course that not. loss. But to the your point, point being, you learn more each week, and now yes. we've, we've got a picture that that game was definitely more the Denver defense than it was Miami just being incredibly good. Then their offense is still incredibly good. But yeah, right. like each week we get, we get more of a bigger picture, and that's kind of why like even at a one-quarter review, we still don't really have a great picture, but first blush being what it is, it still points to us to being very positive about the direction of the Detroit Lions. I I would argue, too. And and maybe every every team is arguing this or something like that, but the, I I would argue that we have a better idea of who the Lions are through four weeks than we do other teams, and the reason for that being is they're the exact team who finished twenty twenty two. They are that exact their, team. They, they're playing to their identity. The yes. only thing that's really changed is suddenly, hey, this defense got markedly better, better. markedly right. and, better. And and again, I'm still willing to. Wait that one out a little bit. Yeah, it, it might come regress back a little bit. Is it going to be a top five defense in the league? Listen, I said this offseason it could be a top 10 defense. I'd be surprised if it's still top but five. But it's by not. I don't think there's a, a world where it becomes what, where it was last year. Where it was no. a dead last defense. No. And that's the important part. We set our bars initially at. Right. You just need to play league average defense out of four games. They played top five defense. Right. If it goes down a bit, I'm not going to cry too much over that. But again, going back to the end of last season, this was about an average defense. The run defense improvements happened last year and carried over into this year and got better. And so if we were looking at that team last year and saying, man, it's a shame they got kicked. They didn't make the playoffs because they could have put a hurting on some teams that did make the playoffs. Why would we not think the same thing of this team that is only playing either as good or better as that team was? So, yes, playoff talk is absolutely warranted playoff confidence is absolutely warranted and if they could have made noise in last year's playoffs they absolutely could and should do it this year 
I here's the thing, Jeremy. I know you said that thing about the Eagles, but like, have you seen the Eagles schedule? Mm-mm. My God. Okay, so there's a stretch where they go home against the Cowboys. So this is November 5th. I'm not sure which week that is, but uh, Eagles Cowboys. Then they go on the road to Arrowhead. They they get a bye week, but then they on the road to Arrowhead. Then the following week, home against the Bills. Then the following week, home against the 49ers. Damn. Then the Granted, following that's week. That's West coming East, but yeah. Right. But still, and then it's then the following week at against Cowboys. the Cowboys. And then the next week at Seattle. That's a six game stretch where like, oh, and six. Are, are you going to be able to? <laughs> Are you going to be able to put your stamp on the division that way? You know what by I mean. Way, and, by the way, you you left out before the Cowboys too that week prior. Uh, t- let, let's let's keep let's keep it going. Let's scroll it back two weeks before that first Cowboys game. They play the Dolphins, and in between that and the Cowboys, they're on the road against the Commanders team that almost beat them. Yeah, I mean, I Commanders. I don't know. I don't know who they are. They they absolutely got punked by the Bills, but then they play really inspired football against the Eagles. I don't know. Maybe it's a divisional thing. I don't get it. But all I'm saying is like, I don't know. Like it's really. I mean, the 49ers, their schedule isn't too difficult. Um, surprisingly enough, but I I think you're talking that, about like, seeding now. You're talking yeah, about. That, I mean, that's seeding. fine. That's we'll, what, we'll play that, we'll, one seed versus two seed in the NFC Championship game. Lines versus Eagles or lines for 49ers. That's fine. I'm just uh, wondering you know, I, who's going to have first home round field. But you know what? We don't need that first run by because it's going to be more exciting to have more okay. home games at Ford okay. Field right. anyways. All right. No, let's stop. <laughs> we cannot get this far ahead out of our skis at this well, point. I, well, I uh, see a lot of You should wait until the last point he has on this rundown, Ryan. <laughs> No, I, I do. I do find it a little bit funny. Like Lions fans are like, they're telling me like, take it one day. At a, like, don't get ahead of yourself. Take it one game at a time. My my answer is why? Why do I have like I? The Lions the football absolutely gods need- might hear you, Jeremy. They will come oh, down. No. The Fire, Lions, brimstone, locusts, and these awful mosquitoes I have in California and destroy you and the Lions. Absolutely. Like, no, I don't. First of all, put me on old takes exposed. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Second of all, the Lions need to take that attitude, right? The, li- the Lions absolutely do need to be like, hey, we we're, we haven't done anything yet. We we can't talk about seeding yet. We need we need to focus on the next game, all that sort of stuff. You're a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a writer too, but I'm a fan first. And I'm going to stunt like an MFer when I want to. I'm going to dream big when I want to because it's fun. If it ends up in me getting hurt, so be it. I've been hurt a million times in this I, franchise. I am going to dream big because this team warrants it. I I agree. I agree in that we don't get to do this that often. Other teams who are good teams Their fans are more than confident talking about playoffs this early in the season. You should act like that, too. And I think the reason I think the other reason why to bring back the juju that people that Lions fans are really hesitant about it, kind of like I am. You're worried about that second shoe dropping. There is no second shoe. There is. This is this is a this is this is a one shoe show. You've had it drop before already. Like maybe some bad stuff happens, but it's not because they're the Lions. Like, Listen, that's football. That's there, football. That's not the Lions. The Seahawks that's game football. happened. We don't have to act like every time a loss happens, 
the world is about to end on the other side. Not even that. Not even that. <laughs> Through one damn quarter of football, right. where everyone was losing their mind in the third quarter about an untimed down the Packers got, assuming that the refs were in the bag for, for the Green Bay Packers. It didn't happen. We don't need to act like this. We don't need to live like this, petrified of our own shadow, worried about, about the sky gods smiting us. No, this is football. You have a good, confident team talking about the playoffs talk about seating talk about the division because you've got 13 games to go and you got plenty of time to dream it's better to dream than not dream better to have dreamed and have lost than to have never dreamed at all you got me on the shakespeare and i i I bailed out because i couldn't really call it from my head and i also (laughs) think that line is overdone uh and now to dream a little bit bigger i am going to go to jeremy's point and ryan finish this sentence i didn't think i would be here i was just happy talking about one playoff win to put it to bed to make people stop talking about 91 but finish the sentence the lions can be legitimate 2023 super bowl contenders if they stay healthy Injuries are the ultimate equalizer. And the ultimate. No, that's the only problem I have right now. I mean, and I say that going back to what we talked about in the very first segment, right? Like if David Montgomery can be a battering ram in like come January, who who wants to play that football? You know what I mean? Like I, I think that there is a very uh there's there's an intention to it. You know what I mean? And I think that when we talk about like, Oh, you know, this team had this identity and now they're just fully realizing it. I think that's who they want to be. And if they could be that team in January where they have David Montgomery doing that stuff, guess who's going to have a lot of NFL football under their belt and be ready for more usage. His name's Jameer Gibbs, right? Like, I think that if you think about how, I think if you think about how, there's going to be so many dimensions to this offense if they if they can stay healthy and if yeah. they can have a running game and if they can do that. I don't I, I really don't know what other than injuries would prevent them from being a Super Bowl contender. It's a good answer. It's a really good answer. My Jeremy, answer. the Lions can be Super Bowl contenders if their pass rush is real. Because. There's enough proof of concept for me to believe that Jared Goff in this offense is good. There's enough proof of concept for me going back to last year that this run defense is good. Elite. Potentially elite. Yeah. And so if you are making opponents one dimensional, pin your ears back and sack these quarterbacks like you have in the past two weeks. Because if that happens, it's over. What, What can a team do to you? If if they if they play that way with the pass rush that they have, every game has the potential to be the first half of that Packers game. Yeah, the Lions have a chance to be a Super Bowl contender if Jared Goff continues to play at this level and maybe slightly higher, because right now he is playing some incredibly good football, and as long as you can keep the Lions can keep him upright, he can keep connecting on his weapons. 
and he can keep leading this offense and he can shake out. And it, it doesn't matter if he has to make a mistake, as long as he can keep rebounding and scoring a touchdown right after he makes that mistake. Like that, that will carry the lions about as much as the other two parts you guys have mentioned as well. He needs to play the best ball of his, some of the best ball of his life. And I think he's doing it right now. And I think as like, as long as he stays healthy and has, you know, healthy tackles, he can continue to play that kind of football because he has reliable weapons and he has a well-balanced offense. And he has an offense tailored to him. And that is ultimately what the lions have depended upon more than anything. Those other parts are, are fantastic. They're very necessary to put games away once you have the lead, but to get that lead in the first place, you need Jared Goff and you need him to keep playing like this. We just concluded having a serious conversation about the Lions winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. For the first time in podcast history, beauty cast history. Yeah. And it's yeah. not crazy. Yeah. But also crazy. like maybe for the first time in my life. <laughs> right now, yeah. though, like I you, you wanted we I asked you this because I, I did have someone ask me how do Lions stack up against the rest of the NFC. And right now, the only two teams I'm putting above them are the Eagles and 49ers and i might not even put the 49ers above them Ooh, that's spicy but i also understand why because of who they played so far well it's also brock purdy at the end of the day like i i'm not mm -hmm. spellbound like everyone else into believing brock purdy is this joe savant. flacco won a super bowl i i understand but joe flacco could also get that ball really deep down the field you didn't have Christian McCaffrey. I bet you if Christian McCaffrey was on those Ravens teams, Joe Flacco would have thrown that, it five yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's, too. that's true. That no, that 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 part that part would be true. I just think of the if I'm looking at both 49ers and Eagles, who I fear more. Like I understand their schedule is there, but like Eagles, I, I, man, I do oh. think the Cowboys are also in the conversation. I don't like. I know there there's been some iffy play, and when you lose to the Cardinals, suddenly everything about your team is questioned a little bit, but. But no, they did stomp on the Patriots man. pretty damn well. I just think yeah. the problem is, is like when you look at the 49ers and Eagles, I can say both sides of their ball are playing very well. I cannot say the same about the Cowboys offense. Yeah, I know they put up 38 points, but that's a broken Patriots team. It feels well, like and a couple of, of those were defensive scores. A couple of think. those were defensive touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I just there there's there's certain parts of the Cowboys where it's like I'm not sold on what you can do when you have the ball in your hands. Do you think there are other podcasts from those teams that are talking about the Lions or no? I mean, if there's there's that clip from the Cowboys Patriots game where, you know, the game is way out of hand. So they're just looking for things to talk about. But they turn their attention and talk for two, two and a half minutes about the Detroit Lions and their legitimacy in the NFC. I get a lot of questions about the Lions. I get more questions than I ever anticipated I would get out here in California. I mean, it's impossible for people to overlook them now, right? You get I, two primetime wins on the road. One of my coworkers keeps saying now he keeps finding more Pride of Detroit articles in his <laughs> timeline now. Unprompted. He's not even following Lions people, but they're sharing our work. Why? Because people want to know about the Detroit Lions. Tell your friends about the podcast. That's right. Download it. Give us a glowing review or just leave us five stars. I think we've stopped reading reviews because uh, there's been some weird manipulation going on <laughs> by one of our uh, P1s. Um, yeah, we're done.
on to Carolina. What's our, our is uh, midweek mailbag back this week, Jeremy? Midweek mailbag is coming back. We're moving it to Wednesday this week because the Lions are still doing funky schedule stuff, having to recover funky. from a Tuesday or from a Thursday game. But yes, midweek mailbag will be live on our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit around noon on Wednesday. We'll have first bite on Thursday working on a guest. Kind of excited about one of the guest uh, propositions that we might be able to get. That'll be on air Thursday night up on the podcast. Friday night, and then, yeah, Man Sim is always on our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, Saturday mornings. Yep. A lot more coming down the pike as well. November's right around the corner. November's right around the corner. I have to get out to an Olive Garden before that happens. Uh, I have some ideas already for November about what we can do. This is our favorite time of year, folks. And we get a good football team. Absolutely. At Chris Perfett, at Ryan underscore POD, at Detroit Online. We're out of here until then. As always, we will see you star side. Oh.